Welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast, where leaders in sport get practical, relevant insight to help them take their leadership to the next level and become leaders worth following. Now for your hosts, Kevin DeShazo and Mark Hodgkin. All right, welcome to episode 17 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin DeShazo along with Mark Hodgkin. Mark, how are things going? Things are good. Excited about the conversation we have to share today. We're talking to Kurt Esser from uh, Seminole State College right here in uh, Lake Mary, Florida. So great conversation and uh, some good things we cover. Yeah, Kurt's a fascinating guy. He's been at a number of different levels, you know, from New Mexico to Nevada, been at Learfield. And so he, he's at the JUCO level now, but has such a unique experience and perspective being at a number of different schools. And I love what he talked about, the value of communication. You know, you have to have that consistent message, but mold it to the people around you based on who you're talking to, which is such a key thing. You can't just get, get into the, the pattern of saying the same thing over and over and over again, because it's not going to connect with the same people in the same way. And so he talked a lot about the value of communication, which is obviously a huge issue and skill that leaders, I think, need to have. Yeah. And, you know, Kurt is a, he is an interesting guy and people probably know him. Anybody who's been to NACMA, um, you know, he's a past president of NACMA. Um, he's around. Uh, he's got a great social media presence. Um, somebody I got to know probably um, maybe about a year and a half ago when he was at New Mexico and I was at the America. And then we got, we, we spent a lot more time talking and just as it, as it happened, we both uh, made changes around the same time around uh, NACTA a year ago. And um, me coming from Providence and him coming from, from New Mexico, we actually ended up maybe a mile apart in, uh, in Lake Mary, Florida, which is a very strange coincidence. And we work with them, you know, my day job here um, as well. And he's doing some great things over at Seminole State. He really is. And so I think it's the conversation you guys will enjoy. And, you know, one thing we want to do on this series of looking at the modern AD is get perspectives from a number of different levels. And so we've had Carter Henderson from University of Washington. We've had Chris Breit, University of Arkansas, obviously two power five schools, even though they are in different situations, they both had some insight to share, but, but bringing in Kurt from the JUCO level. Um, so we do want to get a wide variety of perspectives. And I think you guys will really enjoy what Kurt has to say. It will apply to leaders at every level um, and those who want to be leaders at any level. So have a listen, get some pen and paper, uh, take some notes and enjoy episode 17 with Kurt Esser from Seminole State. Mr. Kurt Esser, the director of athletics for the Seminole State Raiders. Kurt, how are things? Things are great. It's always uh, wonderful down here in Florida. Absolutely. I'm, I am certainly jealous uh, of the life that you, both you and Mark get to lead uh, being, being in Florida. It's, it's a, a significant advantage. Even though I love Oklahoma City and Oklahoma, uh, there's really no debate that, that Florida is, is a lot more of an exciting place to live. It is, um, it's extremely hot here right now. So I look at summer as most people's winter. Right. You know, winter, you're in a little bit more. You may be a little less active or you have to be strategic about that. But it's always cool when you're in a pool, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we so it's it's going to be 103 here today in Oklahoma oh. City. Now we don't have your humidity, but it's but it's been that way for about a week. They have, there's this thing called the heat dome. I don't know what it is, but I hate it because it shows up about this time every year, and it just camps out over Oklahoma. And so it'll be 102 with a 110, 115 uh, heat index. And I like to run, and yeah. so it's, like. Even in the morning, it's 85 degrees when you wake up, which is not terrible to run at 85, but it's not, it's not great. 
but this weekend it's going to cool off a little bit. It's going to be low seventies in the morning. I'm like, all right, finally I can, I can run again and not worry about heat stroke. It's brutal. Well, Kurt, before we dive into to our conversation, I just want people um, to know who you are, to who, who is Kurt Esser again, the, the one minute, the 90 second version of, of who you are, where you're from, what you're doing, what you're about. Sure. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on. Um, my one minute, I hope, doesn't stretch too long. I uh, am athletics director here at Seminole State College in Florida. It's, um, uh, it's been a wonderful and crazy and unique uh, first 12 months for me here. I came from the Division One level. I had spent 30 years at New Mexico and Nevada and with a couple of agencies. Everybody's familiar with Learfield and host communications and I always thought that that was kind of be my path is, is either deputy or senior associate or an AD at, uh, you know, a power five or a big uh, group of five and, and uh, started really thinking about those unique opportunities about five years ago and talking to a lot of my colleagues across the country of, you know, what's important in those next stage stages of life and what's, what's fun. And, and I came and interviewed here about 15 months ago, and it's a, a blank slate. They really didn't have a kind of a master plan, a, a thought on how they were going to expand and grow and, and how they treat their student athletes and how we reach out across campus. And those are all the things that I've loved and enjoyed about uh, my path as I've been able to, to kind of you know, glean those bits and nuggets uh, through my involvement in NACTA and being a past president of NACMA, it's really been great. And so as you, you know, kind of gather all this information over the course of your, your, your career, having the ability to go back and dig in those little bags and buckets and pull that information out was really a unique opportunity. And that's why I jumped at the chance uh, to come here. That's yeah, a great point. It's some of the things I was, you know, interesting when I, I saw you came down to Seminole State, and I love how we've we've ended up actually in the same town of Florida um, after both making big changes about a, about a year ago. But what what do you think the is the role different for an athletics director? Obviously, your day to day is different than maybe it would have been at a school like New Mexico or or Nevada, or, you know, other places you've been. What's the what do you think is the you know kind of core role of the AD, and, and maybe even talk a little bit about the differences yeah, between those two kinds of schools? Sure, I you know I think. At the end of the day, it's all about our student athletes. And I think that the AD at Ohio State and the AD here at Seminole State, we worry about making sure our kids have a great experience. They get an education. Um, they feel a sense of community, either you know within the college, within the university, within the city, within the state. Um, so I, I think that there's certain things that are unique or not unique to all of us. We are all kind of pushing in that same direction. Uh, the challenges uh, are different. You know, we all need to still raise money, but the way we can do that is completely different here on the community college level. I'm looking more at grant funding and reaching out to different entities on campus and creating programs like an athletic training program that's part of our health and wellness team and then adding to our number of trainers. And so, you know, I've got to create these kind of bridges to other areas on campus. They, we have a great uh, broadcast department, and they're going to start streaming games for us. Well, at New Mexico, it's just the opposite. We started a, a, a Lobo TV, and we hired a couple people, and then we said, and then we'll go out and reach out back to the campus 
for the community, but we hired people and then we reached out. So it's just kind of a, a different way of getting things done. But, you know, back to the original point, it's, it's really focused back on the student athletes. And as, as long as we're doing, making decisions and, and doing things for them, then that's, you know, really everybody's to-do list. Yeah, I think that's a huge perspective, a, a huge point in keeping that perspective that all the other things that pop up, right, whether it's um, having your own TV outlet, your own video crew, your new training staff, all these things that we do that are, that are good and that are important, at the end of the day, we're all here to serve student athletes and to equip them, to empower them, to make sure they have a great experience and are prepared for, for that next level. So I think that's really important. I want to touch, build a little bit on that. And you, a lot of what you just discussed breaks down to communication a number of different directions, right? Communication with student athletes, communication with, with staff, communication across campus, communication outside of campus in the community. Um, how do you, what, what are the challenges in communicating with so many different uh, entities? And because it's essentially the same message to all groups. Um, but how, how do you go about intentionally communicating with people? And, I, and the second part of this question is um, building off your first answer of when you came into Seminole State there wasn't a real vision or roadmap for where they wanted to go. So part of your work, I'm guessing, has been developing that vision. So if you could also expand on, on how you're developing vision and then um, gets back to the communication piece of how you're getting everyone on board, how you're communicating that um, in a way so it's not the new guy coming in and blowing everything up, which can always feel like that because change is good, but it can also feel um, that uncertainty and that tension can set in. But, but doing that in a way that gets everyone on board. I think uh... – you know, I did some, some work with a gentleman named Tom Thomas, uh, a lot of aspiring ADs and AD sitting ADs have done that kind of work. And, and he really prepared me for those kinds of challenges. And I think, you know, whether I would have landed at a division one or division two school or, or Seminole state, I kind of would have came in with the same approach and, and the communication is the key component of that. And I think a lot of that really lends itself to, raising our visibility, you know, walking around, being a part of things, not just sitting in the office or sitting in the athletics wing and, uh, you know, solving problems, but walking across campus, meeting with people, uh, sharing our visions. I met with more deans and VPs and academians here than I did the last 15 years at Nevada and New Mexico. And, and because I wanted them to know that while I think athletics is great and cool and fun, it's not the sole mission of what we're doing. It's education. And if we lose sight of that, then, you know, we're, we're, we're going down the wrong side with athletics. So, you know, I, I put together, uh, you know, the PowerPoints and the handouts and, and then I just did, you know, I've done little things like, car magnets and fidget spinners and so everywhere i go i try to just leave a little message hey you know raider athletics we're you know we're you know looking to expand we're looking to add more student athletes we want to engage our students that are interested in broadcast or social media or communications so you know it's, it's whatever message whatever group you've got in front of you it's molding that you know, that delivery to that group, whether it's a rotary presentation or a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a sponsor, but it is about consistency. And, and, and really what, what I've tried to relay is our mission is, is we're preparing Raiders for their next steps. 
because most of our kids are going to go to Division One, Division Two athletic departments, and or they're going to go hopefully you know study at a four-year school and get their four-year degree as well. And then um, you know some are going to go to Major League Baseball. So how are they going to be prepared? What are they going to get here since they're not going to be at Florida or Florida State? Can we give them those elements as well? And then you know I use the hashtag Building Raiders through our Twitter account and our Facebook. And it's, it's, it's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to build these young men and women into um, people that are prepared for their next steps. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's a great messaging to have for the, for the school because I've, I've seen it, you know, we mentioned that I'm in the same area. We're just North of Orlando. Um, it's a, it's a big metropolis, but people see those signs for uh, Seminole state. And I think building that consistent message has been great. And it seems to be a, uh, seems to be making some strides just from being being close up to it. You talked a little bit about kind of how you prepared to becoming an AD and some of the, tr- the work you did, and, and you obviously thought about this a lot. Um, what were some of the, I guess it's two parts, what, what were some of the things that you did and the advice that you sought out um, to kind of get prepared for that first time in the AD chair? And then going back to, to after you know being there for about a year, what would the advice you would give to, um, to first-time athletics directors? I've really always tried to keep my mouth shut, my ears open. Um, and that stems from when I first started at New Mexico, I had sports uh, under me for the first time. And I would have coaches barge in my office and yelling and screaming or really pumped up about uh, this or that. And I had no idea how to solve that problem. And I felt it was better for me to just kind of sit back take in information, ask questions, solve the problem in that meeting, but say, give me 24 hours to find out what's our next steps or what we can do. And so listening is the, the, the biggest thing I can say, and it's, it's helped me here as well. Even though I'm trying to spread the gospel of Raider athletics, I want to hear what other people's problems are from an academic standpoint, from a facility standpoint all those types of things. So really trying to listen, you know, walking down the halls at the NACTA convention, uh, being able to uh, call and contact a lot of those other people, uh, just being with them for three or four days uh, and asking them questions, them asking you questions about, you know, when we had a problem at New Mexico, what happened? And, you know, or how did we solve those problems? It, it gives you kind of that confidence, that, that ability to you know, reach back to them and, and, uh, you know, ask those questions of, you know, what's two or three things I should really worry about or think about. You know, I think the, I don't think people have changed. I think we're starting, starting to finally realize that, that people have changed, that we need to lead in different ways. Maybe we have in the past and um, there is more than one way of leadership um, if we want to be effective. And so I think there's a, you know, the AD role, the, the goal of it at the end of the day is still the same. I think how ADs maybe go about it is changing a little bit. So when we talk about you know the next wave of, of athletic directors, talking about the next five or ten years, or the, the modern AD, if you want to call it that. What are some characteristics um, that you think athletic directors today need in order to be successful and in order to be effective uh, as leaders? Um, I one of my favorite books is "What Got You Here Won't Get You There," and it has some just some great nuggets because we're many of us are very alpha driven 
want to sit in the chair or want to be the deputy or want to do whatever that is that's the, the pinnacle within that organizational structure. Once you get there, you cannot be that same type of person. Um, and so I wrote down some thoughts as adaptability. You've got to be able to sit in a room and be with different levels, different styles, different um, thought processes, and get something from each of them. When I was at the University of Nevada, uh, the, my TV partner paid me one of the compliments I'll always remember. He said, Kurt, seems like you enjoy being around the janitor, having a hot dog at the game as much as you do the CEO in the suite. And, and that is really the cool thing about athletics is we do get to go from the cheap seats down to the you know, luxury row and, and interact with a lot of different styles of people. Well, it's the same thing after the game or before the game when you're dealing with the academic person or the administrator or, you know, the fundraiser or the, you know, the, the donor. And so I, I think being able to adapt and change your leadership style from maybe a little more alpha to a little less, you know, let me hear your opinions. Let's build consensus. Let's um, develop a plan as a group instead of here's the way I'm going to do things. Who are some of the, the athletic structures that you see? They're either the ones you've worked with in the past or just been around or just followed from afar. Who are, if you have any, who are, who are the ones that you kind of look to and, and what is the admire about them? Um, there's, I mean, I always look at unique situations and I was watching Ross Bjork this last week with the SEC stuff and the Ole Miss stuff. And, and I don't know enough of the backstory to know how it's being handled, but I thought he presented himself well. I thought he showed himself and uh, in a moment of, you know, a very tumultuous moment, he was very calm. He was very forgiving of the act and the, 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 the sin or the mistake. Um, but there was some punishment and there were some things to be doled out. So I thought that was really handled well. And, and I love watching those types of moments. I've, uh, I followed Bubba Cunningham since he was at Notre Dame as a, I think he was a senior associate um, and went to Tulsa and then, uh, and then now at UNC. Bubba is always the same person and he's always warm and welcoming when you see him at NACTA or other events. And I always, you know, go, gosh, Bubba, I'm so sorry you're having to go through all this. And he's like, hey, I'm just cleaning up somebody else's mistakes or, you know, I mean, it's like he's bigger than the, the problem. He wants to get things right. And that's the attitude I think we all have when, when there is a problem and everybody has those problems is, hey, let's fix the problem. Let's do things the right way. And then we'll worry about placing blame or, you know, trying to figure those other things out. So I love that. I've enjoyed uh, meeting Jim Abbott at Oklahoma City, Jeff Bain as a colleague from Martin Methodist. Um, those guys have done a ton with nothing, and that's what we get to do here. And so it's, it's always fun to, to pick their brain on how they're getting those things done as well. That's a great point on, on Bubba and every interaction I've had with him. And I tell people all the time that, that Bubba is, is genuinely one of the good guys in college athletics. Uh, who walked into what what appeared to be a dream job <laughs> you yes. know, at, at UNC and it's been an absolute nightmare. But, but I love your perspective on that is that he's still Bubba. He's still who he is. 
And I think to me is that's when I can see who a leader is. It's easy to be a, to, to appear to be a good leader when things are flying high. Um, most people can operate well in that capacity or give the appearance that they're competent and capable and caring. Uh, but when things hit the fan, that's when, like, that's when culture and character is actually revealed. And, and so I think he has been, or, or now a number of years, about, I guess, five, five, six years now, but he's still been positive. He's still been yes. consistent and he still is who he is with every reason to not be. Exactly. Right? He has a reason to be bitter, a reason to be negative, a reason to be all these things. Uh, but you just don't get that in, in conversation with him, which I do think is, is uh, something to be, to admire and something to, to strive for as, as leaders, um, which is on another point of what do you think? And I think this is maybe true of, of, uh, you know, every level of athletics, but what do you think is the biggest leadership challenge right now for the, for people sitting in the AD chair? What is their, what do you feel like is the biggest leadership challenge? Uh, you know, it's the pressure of money. And, and then doing things the right way when that pressure is um, helping solve other problems. You know, if, if your football coach is in trouble, then that leads to you may have to, you know, discontinue the soccer program. I mean, there, you know, I mean, it's just hey, there's so many variables that you have to just balance that I think is just it's difficult. I, I also think another thing that we I hope we're not going too far down the path is we've done a great job as a collective community of uh, recognizing that student athletes need a bigger say, need more participation in governance and need to be a part of a lot of these leadership and, and, and part of, uh, you know, all the, even potentially the monetary rewards of the system. But then I worry about is how much will that then entitle them? How much of our Division I men's and even women's basketball, our football players uh, at a place like New Mexico, our men's soccer team, our rock stars, are we doing a little too much? Uh, there's nothing wrong with hard work of, you know, grit, of getting your knuckles a little bloody. Uh, I think that gets you ready for that first job. I talked with our uh, a buddy of mine who's the track coach in New Mexico. And he's like, I'm worried that we're producing too many kids that on day one of their first job are expecting to get, you know, the best office and the most pins and, you know, a new suit and all those things that because they've got it for four years, they've got their Nike stuff, their Under Armour or whatever you know, are we, are we, we, we've got to find that right balance. And I hope that comes off. Well, I hope I, I explained that. Well, I, I, I think these, our kids should be involved in, you know, time limitations and those, those discussions, but you know, are we taking it to the too far when they get their fifth sweat gear and, you know, their rain jackets and, you know, all those kinds of things. I think it's an interesting point. I mean, we, we talked a little bit on our last one. We talked to, uh, to Chris Freed about, at Arkansas about kind of what their goal is, you know, graduating players. And, and it's a little bit different from your circumstance. You're preparing them for, you know, going to other places, maybe going pro, whatever it is. But he talked about, you know, the shift to you know, graduation is one thing. We can get it to a certain level and we feel good about it. But how do we prepare them for the, the workforce? You know, because, you know, if a lot of them aren't playing somewhere else, how do you prepare them for life? So I think that's an interesting kind of thought. And we hear a lot about that, about what, 
people going into the workforce with kind of a skewed sense of where they are. How do you, how do you think you combat that? I mean, have you thought about anything that you can do on, on your level? And it's a hard question. It's a yeah. probably a generational thing <laughs> or a, a bigger cultural oh. thing that you can't always change. But, you know, how do you, uh, how do you think you could kind of go about that? Is there any ideas you'd like to see instituted that, would, that could help go that direction? Well, I, I tell you, it, that's one of the things that appealed to me about being here. Uh, is that and, and we do have an AA degree and we expect our kids to to get a degree and graduate. Um, so even though they're going to move on, hopefully to a four year school um, and, and or take those next steps with MLB. But, you know, we talk about, hey, taking care of your resources because we don't have the ability to to uh, have janitors come in and clean our our bleachers after games so a lot of them will go through and pick up trash and do those types of things and i think that's that's really cool and i think they'll take ownership and so i've been fortunate enough in this first year to to get new scoreboards new dugouts new shading for our our baseball and softball facilities now i want to see the challenge of now we're getting some nice things are you guys going to take care of it and that's my challenge back to them and i think it's all about how we speak to our student athletes and how we message what's important. Uh, you know, we, we started talking when I was at first, second year at New Mexico, you know, Hey, we want our all departments to be above a three, three O took us a while, two or three years to get there. And then it's, it's an expectation. And so it's everybody talking about it. It's not just the academic folks. It's the marketing guy. It's the fundraising guy. It's, you know, the people that oversee the, you know, the, the teams and the coaches. So I think we, when you, once again, back to Kevin's point of, you know, the, the communication, it's, it's how you're laying that out and how you're messaging it back and what's important back to our student athletes. Which is a great, you know, building on that idea of communication and it's, and it's setting those expectations up front. Uh, yeah. Cause if those, if those expectations aren't communicated, then you're just, you're, uh, you know, we, we, we say un, uncommunicated expectations are premeditated bitterness. <laughs> so you're just, you're just setting, the, setting the stage for frustration and bitterness and mistrust because it wasn't communicated well on the front end. Then you also hit on, um, without using the, the specific language, but the idea of, of what we talk about a lot and support and challenge, right? You've got to have that balance of we want to support, want to make sure you're equipped, you have what you need, that you're cared for, you know, you're valued, but there are, are also expectations, um, and without that challenge piece, that entitlement does set in. Yeah. So there, it, there is a healthy balance, and, and every generation needs both. Um, yeah. we, we tend to talk about the, the quote-unquote millennials. Well, they need, they're just too entitled. Well, there's a reason they, are, they feel uh, entitlement, because we've not challenged them enough, which goes back to us as leaders. Um, but I think if we looked back at every generation at this age, it's always the same, right? Every, every generation of 20 to 25 year olds feels entitled, like they know everything, like they deserve everything. Sure. Um, but that, that idea of support and challenge, I think, is, is necessary for every generation. Um, you've been, as you said, at a number of places over a number of years at a, a number of levels um, and not always in the top chair, which is, I think, a, a good thing, A, because that's normal. <laughs> not everybody gets to sit in the top chair. Sure. But I think people can oftentimes use that as an excuse for inaction. Well, I'm not the AD. I'm not the senior or whatever. And that that's, uh, gives them an out to not take ownership, right, to not lead. How have you led wherever you are in an organization? And how would you um, advise or, or mentor or apprentice someone saying, hey, I know you're not in that chair, but here's what it looks like to lead where you are. Here are ways that you can do that. Well, I think that's part of the hiring process for me. You know, when I've identified talent or uh, a position, 
is I want to give them as much um, or empower them with as much decision-making process as, as possible. Uh, when we started Lobo TV, which we did right at the start of the whole video craze, uh, I hired a young lady and I, uh, she'd come from Nebraska, which was you know, kind of the video hotbed. And I was like, Katie, I want you to run this department. I want you to bring me solutions and questions and new ideas. Um, my job is to funnel channel resources to you as much as I can to be your champion uh, and then to get out of your way. And I think that that's, that's always been my leadership style and, and not always to the, you know, or sometimes to my detriment is I'm, I'm, I'm pretty trusting when I've, I've known people and hired them and I, you know, Hey, go, I'm not going to micromanage. I, I thought of the term micro lead. I like to micro lead. You know, I like to show interest. Hey, how's this project coming? Tell me what's good, what's bad. But I don't want to say you should be doing that. And, and as it relates to the millennial generation, I find myself hovering over my son, being that helicopter parent. And when I recognize that, I try to step back and, and, and not be that person and let them fail. And that's what we got to do with our staff. And, and as we are, are growing them and mentoring them is you got to got to fail you got to have mistakes and uh as long as they're not from poor morals you know then they can be corrected Kurt, we see um <clears throat> we see a lot on your your social media the uh the hashtag finishing um you know it's it's not just uh work posts it can be so uh, personal posts and stuff like that what does what does finishing mean talk a little bit about kind of how that came about and, and uh how that guides your guides you i um I started on the NACMA board, uh, like 2010. And, uh, right before that, my AD at Nevada, Carrie Groth, she's like, you know, go write your own personal mission statement. Tell me what's important to you. And, you know, being in athletics and, and loving sports, a lot of different sports, I'll watch everything, you know, over a weekend, I'll watch extreme sports. I'll watch the PGA. I'll watch, you know, NFL, college, all those things. Finishing is the hardest thing to do, you know, closing out a victory. And I think that relates back to our business world. Things kind of wither on the vine with a project or um, even a hire or whatever we're working on. And, and so I've always thought, boy, if I can continue to gather information on how we best finish then I, I'm, I'm going to put that together in some sort of manual or book. And, and uh, I, I met with Tim Selgo, who just wrote a book, and, and Zach uh, Logsdon just finished his book and had it at Nacton. So I was talking to both of them about how I, how I now finish my book on finishing. Um, but, you know, over the last 12 to 18 months, it's kind of also I've, I've, I've been thinking about other things is, now I've achieved my goal of being an athletic director. And I don't know if I'm here for 15 years or I go, go somewhere else. I don't, I don't know that, but I'm really happy. And so how does finishing then translate into starting the next thing or branching out and doing other things from a personal standpoint? Um, and I do one other thing, one element about this is I want to convey that while we're, we need to 
really close and finish well, we need to enjoy the journey. And I am one who didn't always take the time to, to smell the roses or, you know, enjoy that, those little things that you get. Um, and a buddy of mine who's uh, in college athletics once said, you know, we may never be millionaires, but we get to live like them, you know, because of how, how we get to rub elbows with athletes and donors and get to sit in suites and things like that. So take those, take that time and enjoy it. And so over the last 12, 18 months, I think I've done a lot better job of taking the moment, enjoying the moment. And, um, and while finishing some point of my career, not the ultimate point of my career, um, I'm also going to, how's that transition into other personal uh, goals as well? I think that's really good. And, and Carter Henderson talked a lot about the idea of a personal personal value statement or personal mission statement. Uh, and as someone who is also writing a book, I feel your pain uh, <laughs> on that. It always sounds easy and sounds fun, uh, but it is it is stressful work, that's for sure. I want to talk about, you You just kind of hit on it at the end there, um, this idea of, of enjoying the process. And I think too often we get to the end and we, maybe we won, right? We finished, maybe we won. And we feel good, but our team is exhausted, right? So, so we, we won, but we actually lost because our team doesn't feel like they won. Um, or maybe we feel exhausted. And so we won, but we feel like we lost at the same time. Uh, and the key is to finish, to finish well, to win, to feel good about the win, to feel good about how you got there, knowing that your people feel good, that they feel like they got better throughout the process. Um, but that also comes from, from work-life balance and learning to be present while you're being productive and getting stuff done. How have you, um, what, what has helped you make that transition and, and realizing, okay, yeah, the work matters because it does, um, but there's a way to do that. And, and there's a better way to, to do that than maybe the, maybe the way the rest of the world does it. Cause we certainly have that off kilter. A lot of great stuff there. I, I referenced Bob Rotella's book, how champions think. And, and he always talked about the effort is more important than the result. And I think if we all, if we build our team, if we build the project, if we work on things and we are doing what we can with what we have, then we should be really excited. I said that to my men's soccer coach in Mexico and he went nuts. He hated it because he's like, well, you just got to go out and find more stuff or find the better player or whatever. I was like, yeah, but you're always going to have that finite amount of things, resources, people that you, you can work with. Um, so taking that time and enjoying, you know, the season. And, and you look at all of our fans in, in every sport. All they want to do is get through the regular season to get to the postseason. And it's like, wow, let's, let's enjoy the, the game, the moment, the time um, to, to, to get to that point. But as far as the work-life balance, you know, I, I think uh, we talked about five gears was that three or four years ago you guys came on New Mexico's campus? Yeah, I think it was about three years ago. And, and I have referenced that multiple times of identifying where you are, what you're doing, when you are, um, you know, not walking in with the phone on your ear to your house, um, not waking up and rolling over and grabbing your phone the first thing is, you know, hey, coordinate your time. This is family time. Uh, during the summers, we have Fridays off here at Seminole State. So I spend 9 to 12 
Friday mornings doing house stuff, you know, uh, painting or, you know, repairing or, you know, doing something cool. Um, and, and that's been my summer and that has led me into, well, you know what? I think I'll just, uh, hit the pool for a while or, you know, or, you know, watch the Friday round of the PGA tournament or whatever's going on. And that has really just allowed me to relax and then leave the rest of the weekend to do, you know, the other fun family things and, or if we have games or, uh, things going on that I have to do from a, from a work standpoint, but it's, it's really added to the amount of time that I can devote to, to me. Yeah, that's great. That's a great way to look at it. And, and, and you can tell you're really comfortable with where you're kind of at with this and, and, and the, the things you're implementing at Seminole State. How do you, shifting gears a little bit, how do you hire for that, that right culture? I mean, you're hiring staff members, you're hiring coaches. Um, how do you kind of assess culture into, into the hiring process? And then once you have them there, how do you continue to, to work to create that culture you want? You know, because I haven't uh, been on the community college level for a long time, I look at people that have had experience on that level. And um, the great thing is, is um, there's 24 colleges here in the state of Florida that are in the uh, Florida college system, NJCAA, Region 8, and they have the athletics uh, departments. And those are great resources. They are people, and I'm the newbie. I'm the guy that's been here, you know, a year now. And the second uh, youngest has been in place for two years. She also came from division one. A third is about three years. He came from division one. And then the rest, the other 20 or so have been on the community college level for 15, 20 years. And they've got it dialed in. They understand, you know, what the college's mission is, what are the athletics missions should be who their constituents are in their community or in their region. And um, they've been a great resource to just sit and listen to in our, our AD meetings. And that's who you start to identify of, you know, well, you know, you've got a pretty good basketball program. You know, when we start basketball back here at Seminole State, you think your guy would be interested, you know. And, and so, you know, you've always got the, the people that are, you know, wanting to use this as a stepping stone, and that's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. We're not Indiana or Kentucky. We're not going to be the ultimate stop for somebody. Um, but we're, we're a pretty unique and special place. And so you've got to, you've got to find those right people. I will say that I think the coaches on the community college level have to be a better um, developer of talent than recruiter of talent. Because we get a lot of kids, you know, an example in the baseball field is, I bet we have 10 kids that can throw 82, 83 miles an hour. But can they get it to 89 over the course of two years? Can they control? Can they be disciplined and throw the change up? And I'm not a baseball guy, so I was pretty proud of that little tirade. But, you know, I mean, they've got to be able to teach. And I will tell you that a lot of the guys that I'm uh, – coaches that I'm familiar with at the Division One level are more managers. They're more Steve Kerr. You know, those kids already come in. They've got their talent developed. They may gain 4%, 5% over the course of four years. Our kids got to, are, are going to gain or need to gain 10, 15, 20%. So it's a, it is a different uh, animal, but once again, it's back to 
academics and education. Another great point in that, you know, the D1 level, the head coach has a limited amount of time with the player. They've got the strength and conditioning staff or, and, and any number of other staff who are spending a majority of the time because they, they are a manager, but having looking to hire people and, and have people in place that know how to, you know, how to develop a young man or a young woman and take their skill from, from, you know, point A to point B, take them to a new level is it's a, it's a very different skill set. Uh, I think it can be learned, uh, but on some of you don't have a lot of space and time to, <laughs> you want a coach who is already good at that, uh, not a coach that you have to develop in that skill. So that's really good. Uh, so we talked about, about readers, be, uh, leaders being readers. And I actually saw an article last week. Um, I didn't get to read all of it, which is pretty typical for me, but about how the lack of reading is actually killing our soul <laughs> because we're not, we're not sitting and soaking in information and letting our mind go to different places. We're just take, getting these bite-sized chunks. And so on some of them, we're losing the value of, of reading in, in America. I guess, what, what are the best three books you've read lately? I mentioned two of them. And, and I, I went through, when I was preparing to, to take the next step, you know, at New Mexico and working with Tom, he was adamant about my reading and logging what you read and, and then taking, you know, little five, three by five cards and writing down five or six points from each of the, uh, the books that you read. I finished that kind of that stretch and then I didn't go back and reread. So I've been spending the last 12 months rereading or highlighting or going back and finding the nuggets and creating the three by five cards. But um, Bob Rotella's How Champions Think is one of my favorites. Uh, what Got You Here Won't Get You There by uh, Marshall Goldsmith. Fantastic. And then I'm an economics major. And so I love Thomas Friedman. The world is flat, and I think that that is um, it, it's really key for, for those of us not in a Power 5 conference. How do we use technology? How do we use social media? How do we use video to get to the level of the Power 5 schools as far as you know, recruiting or telling our message or doing those types of things? And that's, you know, I read that a long time ago. I think we tried to really implement it in New Mexico. We acted like a power five school, you know, and now I'm rereading it and thinking about, all right, how do I take Seminole state, which has been kind of one of the uh, underfunded of the 24 Florida schools, get it into a position where we're doing things um, that make us seem bigger than we are, which will then enhance recruiting, which can increase our FTE, which can means we write more grants, which means we can get more money. So um, those are the types of things that, uh, that, you know, Thomas Friedman talks about, which is fantastic, just the use of technology um, and how it's flattened the world. So those would be my three suggestions. And I, I know the next book I'm going to read, I'd love to read about uh, Condi Rice. I just think that she was at NACTA four or five years ago. Um, she's a person that I think you would enjoy uh, having a beer with playing golf with, talking about sports with, and also our views on education and economics and state affairs it is just fascinating to me. She's one of the most well-rounded people I've ever been within 100 feet of. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There's probably lots of stories that you can come out of that, that meeting and that conversation. And yep. um, love some of the things you're saying about reading, too. It's one of the things we've talked about a lot, and you talked about kind of taking those notes and making the 
the make sure you retain it. Something I've been thinking about a lot with the reading and um, how do you how do you remember what you read? It's supposed to just going through a book and picking up one or two things because you got to be able to reference it and, and act on it too, which is a big thing. And um, I know we don't do it. We're not doing a video podcast, but I see a stack of books about four feet high and you're behind the behind you. So I know, uh, I know you're taking that to heart. So it's good stuff. And thanks again, Kurt. We appreciate your time today uh, on the podcast. It's been a great conversation. Maybe one we can pick up again later and uh, great. some great stuff for everybody. So thank you. Great. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Kurt. Appreciate it. All right. You guys take care. So thanks again to Kurt Esser, the athletics director at Seminole State College. Um, it's a great conversation. I think one that, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit in the open, you know, having a perspective from somebody who's been at a big school and now kind of running a smaller shop. And and some of the, the things we talked about really um, have been consistent over these first three conversations we've had in the series, this idea of listening, of, of doing things intentionally, of, uh, of having a purpose. Um, and I really, that's what I really took away from our conversation with Kurt. Yeah, I think we're, what we're realizing, and hopefully that our, our listeners are as well, is that uh, the same things are making so far the first three, uh, three people in our, in this series successful and it's gotten them to where they are. And it is the value of listening, the value of intentional communication being intentional period. Again, we hammer that idea home on every podcast, but the idea of being intentional versus accidental, they're thinking about the big picture while managing the small picture. I love what Kurt said. Uh, I don't want to micromanage, but I do want to micro lead. And so really hitting on this idea that we talk about often, again, the idea of support and challenge. I want to check in, hey, how are things going? Do you need anything? Um, but not tell them how to do the job. So basically saying, I trust you. I'm giving you authority and responsibility. Um, and I'm here if you need something. And so I, I think he had some really great things to share. Um, and there, there are a number of things that, that all these guys are doing that it's consistent across the board, but they're doing them in their own unique way. And so the value of authenticity again, when it comes to listening and communicating and leading is such a, a massive deal. I love, I love how Kurt is kind of approaching things at Seminole State, and I've had a chance to see him a couple times uh, since he's moved there, and, and he's genuinely enjoying it and genuinely uh, found a niche where he is making a difference. And, um, you know, some people probably, when they see somebody goes from a New Mexico to a Seminole State, you know, it's such a big difference. But um, hopefully people can kind of pick up the, 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 the real benefits of, you know, we've heard, I think, from Kirby Gary uh, making the big time where you are. And Kurt is really kind of living that out. And uh, it's great to see him so happy and fulfilled with what he's doing. Um, and I think that's another one for, for people. You don't have to be at a, a Power 5, top you know, top 10 school to be making a difference and doing things that are really neat. And then also being you know, happy and fulfilled. Yeah, he talked a lot about the idea of work-life balance and, and gave a, a nice plug to the five years, which is always appreciated. And, and that was three years ago, but he, that's still resonating, which again is what we try to do with our content is make it sticky and scalable uh, so you can use it uh, with your team, with yourself forever. And he hit on this piece of, of knowing who you are, um, but also acting like you're bigger than you are in, a, in, a, in, a, in an authentic, meaningful way. And so that's a, that's a huge thing of, okay, well, we are Seminole State. We have limited resources. That's fine. We, we know who we are. But what can we do to appear bigger? To say that, yes, with all these limitations, there are still opportunities within that. So how do we leverage those opportunities? How do we leverage technology to tell our story, to build our brand, to share our message? Uh, and you can just see in talking to him, like you said, he's in a good place. Like he's happy where he's at. Does that mean he's going to be there forever? No, maybe. Uh, but maybe not. But he's happy where he is. He's found that balance. He's got energy. And that allows him to lead intentionally, to think about the big picture, but also to, to invest and engage with his people. And so he's, he's in a, clearly in a great spot 
Uh, and it's fun to see NAD who's so engaged, but also so relaxed, um, but very, very passionate about the work that they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great conversation. Definitely a, um, a fun series that we're working on and hopefully some good takeaways from everybody who's listening. So thanks again for listening. Episode 17 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. We'll continue our series with interviews with college sports leaders talking about the modern AD and where that role is and where it's evolving. Um, so if you're enjoying the podcast, please uh, drop us a review, a rating, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you happen to be listening to us. Find us on Twitter, Mark underscore Hodgkin and at Kevin DeShazdo. Um, we'd love to hear what you think about the show, um, ideas for future interviews. So please hit us up. Um, so until next time, episode 17 of the Sports Leadership Podcast, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>